Four balls, three strikes, a double play, and one place to hear the baseball show with Jonathan Hood. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The baseball show with Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. What's up and welcome in. This is the Baseball Show presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. It's at ESPN MLB Show as we build a bridge to White Sox baseball as the Sox take on the Brewers. 635 pregame with Mark Schanowski in a 710 first pitch with Andy Mazur and Darren Jackson right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Hope that you had a great weekend. Let's review uh, what happened over the weekend with both the Dunkin' Sox with my first pitch. Um, despite all of the unnerving news and conversation about COVID-19 and the cancellations of games this weekend, it was really fun to see the Cubs and the White Sox prevail this weekend. Three series, three series wins. Um, and we start with the Cubs. And let's go back in time, Eric, if we can, and go and hear the Whites, the Cubs, how they were able to get the job done. Any way you want to play the Cubs, they find a way to win, including uh, in dramatic fa- fashion with Javi Baez for the Cubs. You see Stalin setting up off the corner, and that's going to do it. Javi Baez with a base hit. Bodie scores. Cubs win. Cubs win 2-1 the final in 11. Goes wild, and the Cubs will come out for a socially distanced celebration in the middle of the diamond. Right there on the marquee network, Len and JD on the call. The Cubs swept the Pirates, and they made it look easy over the weekend. Yes, that took a little extra time, but the Cubs, you always kind of knew that they were going to get it done, winning 6-3, to 4-3, 2-1, and 7-2 and on the season, despite questionable relief pitching, the questions about the closer to begin the season. That's a really fine start to the season for the Cubs. And what stands out to me the most is the starting pitching. And so much for John Lester being at the tail end of his career, right? I mean, yeah, you could probably say from an age standpoint at age 36, 37, that he could be definitely at the age where you say, okay, maybe he's going to be winding it down. But he didn't look like that against the Pirates. I was really uh, interested in to find out how he would prevail, and he did. It was vintage Lester, his last outing. Quality start and a sub-1 ERA for Lester now. That's the Lester that we saw in 2016 when he was pitching with dominance, and that's exactly what we saw. So Lester's outing brought the Cubs' starting pitcher's ERA down to 2.21 for the season, currently second-best in baseball. So whatever question marks that you had about the Cubs and their pitching – Certainly the bullpen still leaves a little bit to be desired on a regular basis. But again, it is early in the season. But the second best in baseball for this uh, team on the north side, pretty strong. And it's not even full times through the rotation yet, but every starter has to put together at least one impressive outing. As we talk about this on the baseball show with Jonathan Hood, presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Some thoughts from David Ross. The manager for the Cubs, he says that the offense is wearing down pitchers in the victory. You know, that, that big at bat by Schwartz, um, you know, the, the obviously field home run, big walk. Uh, Javi was very poised in his last at bat to get on base in front of Kyle. And, um, you know, Kyle's a dangerous hitter and, and 
he's hit some balls hard. That ball, he the, the other base hit he hit tonight was was an absolute rocket. I don't know what the exit velo on that was, but uh, he's a strong uh, man, and we've got a real powerful lineup. And that's what happens when you when you start from pitch one and 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 grind at bats and try to see pitches and and uh, are on the attack uh, as far as your approach. Um, you know, good things happen towards the back end. That's that's, and sometimes you know we've talked a lot about the bottom of the lineup doing so well. You know, that's a product of the top of the lineup grinding and making it tough on the pitch, the opposing pitcher. So, some thoughts there from uh, David Ross, the manager for the Cubs. Some of the additional thoughts about the Cubs is that you think about starting pitching, and Lester had a terrific outing, but that's a great start shot in the arm for the Cubs. There's no doubt, but. The pitcher I'm impressed by the most in this rotation, in this short sample size, is Tyler Chatwood. Where, where, where's that Chatwood been? Is that just my TV, or is he really looking that good? 19 strikeouts and 12 and two-thirds innings pitch allowing one run? WTF. Like, who, like where's, where's that Chatwood been? That, that is uh, a guy now that you're looking at, and you say, boy, if you get that or something similar to that on a regular basis, where you can hang in there in a lot of games. And Chatwood coming from Colorado, there was an adjustment clearly for him because you watched him and you said, well, you know, is he going to keep the ball down? Is he going to continue to keep the ball up? I mean, he's got to keep the ball down and move it around. And Chatwood looked good in this last outing over the weekend. Also, shouts out to you, Darvish, on Friday. Darvish, quality start, and he could do that from time to time. He looked confident and effective out there with a seven strikeouts through six innings. That's what you want from you, Darvish. And yeah, you know that's in him, but it just doesn't happen on a regular basis. And, and that's the whole thing. With Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant is in the lineup today for the Cubs, uh, but uh, over the weekend he was not available on Sunday afternoon's 2-1 to 11-inning victory against the Pirates. And uh, David Ross says that he was feeling good and good enough, obviously, now to be able to be in the lineup for the Cubs uh, in their game this evening. So, And here's the thing. Without Ross, or without uh, Bryant, you're looking for – offense to pick up the slack and so we've seen Bodie over there at uh, third base from time to time and as a matter of fact in this game here this evening as I'm looking up the lineup that it's going to be Chris Bryant in left field followed by Rizzo and Baez and Contreras will be the cleanup hitter Schwarber the DH Bodie's over at third Hayward in right Horner, the second baseman, Hap, the center fielder, and Mills, who pitched well his last outing, will be on the mound for the Cubs. They take on Kansas City coming up at 715 uh, at Wrigley Field. So Bryant will be playing left field. Uh, once again, even though the old school in me says I still like Bryant over at third base on a regular basis, Bryant can play the corner outfield. He can play left or right. He can play first or third. And so you like that flexibility in him, but they wanted Bodie's bat in there. He'll be at third base, and as I mentioned, Bryant will lead off and play left field for the Cubs. And Ross said that he's feeling much better, and now we know he's feeling good enough to be able to be in the game because he had a stomach issue, uh, and he had tests on that stomach, and the test came back negative, according to David Ross. What about the White Sox? Did you watch the White Sox over the weekend, or watch some of the highlights? Well, definitely a lot of the highlights 
especially yesterday, came from Nick Madrigal. It was the Madrigal show yesterday. Let's go back in time and hear Madrigal coming through again and again for the White Sox. Line drive, right field, save that baseball. Nick Madrigal with his first career hit. And it's a single to right. The celebration is on. Yeah, it took longer than he would want. It's a ninth at bat. And that's a sigh of relief. It's going to be a whole lot of hits for Nick. And eventually, it's going to surprise you. Eventually, he's going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. On the ground, up the middle from Madrigal. And it sneaks on through. Four for four, Nick Madrigal. Danny Mendick scores. Unstoppable seventh inning. It's nine to two. He went from zero to 333 in an instant. Break up Nick Madrigal. This one wasn't quite 112 miles an hour like his first, but pretty good. The the ominous, I've got five on it music in the background at Coffin Stadium. Five on it meaning five wins now for the White Sox. Sox got five on it. They got five wins so far this year after a tough start to the season. Uh, so the Sox had their brooms out just like the Cubs did. A lot of fireworks in Coffin Stadium offensively. It, it's hard not to get excited about young kids on a roster. Not not just young players, but young and productive players. And clearly, uh, Roberts hates the batter's box because he doesn't take a lot of pitches, and he really doesn't have to. It, you saw him time and time again, maybe the second pitch or third pitch, being able to drive it. He had a really good weekend for the White Sox. And because of the injury to Tim Anderson, Robert steps in. He looks comfortable at the plate, looks very natural at the plate, as if he's been doing this for five or six years. But Madrigal, as we just talked about, four for five. You can see his confidence rise as he struggled early and then raised his average to 308. It's great for him to be able to straighten out some of those line drives. Uh, He hit ninth and turns the lineup over for Roberts. So the last couple of games, you've seen him hit ninth. You could tell Renneria is just making sure that the the pressure's off of Madrigal, and he was able to take the moment in a big way for the White Sox of the weekend. Some thoughts from Rick Renneria, just saying that it's really good to have a good start to the season. Just the beginning. Again, it's a short season. It's just the beginning of the season. Uh, we have whatever's left of the schedule. We'll see how it ends up all playing out. Uh, our our expectation that that at the end it'll play out the way it's supposed to, uh, hopefully with a lot more positives than negatives. Um, and it's just nice to see them all, you know, contributing in some way. I mean, it, 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 we had some opportunities early, weren't able to capitalize, uh, and then all of a sudden with two outs, it seemed like we did a lot more damage. And so uh, it's just nice. These guys go out, they play, they're they're comfortable, they're relaxed, um, and we just got to keep it going. Nick Madrigal also had a chance to talk to the press, as I mentioned, got off to a kind of a slow start. Uh, was disappointed that he didn't make the opening day roster, but he was just relieved to just finally get a hit. I don't think my mindset changed at all. I felt like I was seeing the ball um, pretty well. I just wasn't, you know, nothing to show for it. Um, you know, I tried to stay positive. I wasn't getting down at all. I was kind of just, you know, thinking it's going to come around, you know, just trying to, you know, it's hard though when everyone kind of, Everyone knows that you haven't got a hit yet, so they kind of joke with you, and then the pressure builds up. And uh, once I saw that first one fall, I felt like a weight was whipped off me, definitely. Um, even last time, I mean, I didn't get a lot of sleep last time, to be honest with you. You know, it's something I was thinking about, and uh, yeah, it was a huge sigh of relief once, uh, once I got that first one. 
man, with that lineup of having Robert in there, I might as well give you the lineup that's in front of me as the Sox take on the Brewers, that old-school rivalry from back in the day when I was a kid, the All-American League uh, rivalry between the Brewers and the White Sox. It's Robert Moncada Abreu, Grandal's the DH, Jimenez in left, McCann is the catcher, Garcia at short, Ingle in right field, Madrigal, uh, hitting ninth and playing second base and Rodon on the mound. But you look at that lineup that's in front of me here. When you think about just the diversity in that lineup of Robert Moncada, of Abreu Grandal, right there, just your one, two, three, four. And then Eloy in left field at five. McCann can still hurt you as the catcher. And then you have Gar- Lori Garcia, and, you know, hats off. You know, Garcia gives you some key uh, offense here and there. Ingle plays a good right field. And then Madrigal, who's been hot coming off the series against Kansas City yesterday. You know, you know it's really an interesting lineup uh, all the way throughout. But the Sox are living up to their billing as exciting. They're unpredictable. Uh, and Robert and Eloy and Madrigal, part of that young core. But how about this? How about this, Eric? You ready for this? Now, as a Sox fan, I'm sure that you're good with the offense that the Sox have been putting up, especially against the Royals. 28th in the majors in walk rate. They don't have a lot of patience. And I guess if you hammer the ball, you're good with not taking the walk all the time. If you think about their big bats, Moncada, Aloy, now Robert, and, and Abreu, all all four of them are very aggressive at the plate. So I am not surprised they're a low Tim Anderson, we had that whole the last two years where he walked like four times total. Like that was it's a storyline. That's how they are, but if if you rake, they had 35 hits in two games, so right. swing away, man. <laughs> like, they were very comfortable at the plate, for sure, uh, at Coppin Stadium as they swept out the Kansas City Royals. When we come back, we find out more information from over the weekend spilling into Monday regarding baseball and COVID-19 as we walk you up to White Sox baseball to take on the Milwaukee Brewers 635 pregame with Mark Schanowski right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Tonight's baseball show is brought to you by Bobby G's. Stop in and grab a couple of Goose Island White Sox Golden Ales tonight. Bobby G's on Archer is a proud official White Sox bar. And it's a fantastic place to watch a White Sox game. Welcome to the baseball show. Chicago's only interactive nightly show focused on the Cubs, the White Sox, and Major League Baseball. On radio, on app, on podcast. Listen to the show your way on ESPN 1000. With a new ESPN Chicago app. The The Baseball Baseball Show Show with Jonathan Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. At ESPN MLB Show. The Baseball Show with me, Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. So I've watched about nine games, nine baseball games, because I watched every Cubs and Sox game and then some other, maybe Red Sox, Yankees, and a few other games on the West Coast. And as a baseball fan, uh, of course, for all of us, it's in the back of our, of our minds, how long does this last? The hope is it lasts 60 games into the playoffs. I mean, that's what we, that's what they collectively bargained. This is what we were looking forward to, and who knows what's going to happen. Because there's so many fingers that are being pointed in so many different directions regarding who to blame for the outbreak of coronavirus in these clubhouses. So over the weekend, we find that Milwaukee Brewers' Lorenzo Cain just bounced. 
He just says, I'm not going to participate for the remainder of the 2020 season. Uh, he wants to spend time with his family based on what's going on with COVID-19. When you have Suspetas just disappearing, I was listening to the uh, the Braves and Mets in the car making a run, and like the the Mets broadcasters said, we have no idea where Suspetas is. He didn't show. And it's like, dude, and he leaves because of COVID-19. Then we come to find out there are four games, the four-game series between the Cardinals and Tigers scheduled to begin tonight in Detroit was postponed after Major League Baseball released a statement saying the Cardinals have had 13 members of the organization test positive for COVID-19 in the last week, including seven players and six staff members. Remember, the Cardinals will stay in Milwaukee with a tentative plan for the team to resume its regular season schedule on Friday against the Cubs in St. Louis, we think, right? My, you know, there's there's Derek Jeter pointing fingers, uh, blaming. He says Derek Jeter blamed the uh, team's coronavirus outbreak on a collective false sense of security that made players lax about social distancing and wearing masks. I mean, 21 members of the traveling party for the Marlins are infected, 18 players. <laughs> and he's pointing fingers. He, here's the thing is that all of this is terrible, but it's expected we're not even through two weeks of the regular season, and now we have several teams with outbreaks with coronavirus. The same Rob Manfred, the commissioner that told Tom Verducci a week ago last Monday, says, you know, if we have outbreaks, you know, we might have to shut this thing down. Well, you got two, among other cases. The Cubs, the only team that does not have a case of coronavirus, as far as we know. This is bad. Let's go to Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan was on SportsCenter. And he talked about a number of things, including what are the logistical uh, challenges to make up all these games? The reality is they're not going to. And it's nice that they're trying to schedule games as much as they can. But when a team misses a week in in a season where you have 66 days to complete 60 games, the truth is you just can't do it. So Major League Baseball is going to have to come to a point where they say, you know, not everybody is going to play 60 games this year. We're going to get in as full of a schedule as we possibly can. And in that full schedule, we're going to try to use perhaps winning percentage as opposed to the typical whoever wins the most games as the arbiter for who makes the playoffs. But at this point, the idea of baseball in October to some is complete folly. They don't think that MLB is going to make it there. As Rob Manfred said, though, he is steadfast in this. We want to get done as much of a season as possible. I believe he said, I'm not a quitter, and there's no reason to quit right now. So Major League Baseball forges ahead after uh, a week of madness in hopes that this week is going to be just a little less mad. Okay, well, the point is, is that if you have players that play the game and then go home. You don't know if they're going right home and putting a mask on and washing their hands and making sure that they're safe. We don't know what these players are doing individually. You heard stories, kicking it to the casino, you know, going outside of where they need to be as far as keeping themselves safe. Players are going to do whatever they want to do. Players are just like you and I in the society. Some of us know how to keep ourselves healthy and keep ourselves away from COVID-19 as much as possible. And others just embrace it. They just go right into it, right in the face of it, just because they can. 
There's no way I'm young. There's no way that I'm going to get COVID-19. Guess what? Not only do you have COVID-19, now your teammates do. And now there's an epidemic. There's an issue that's going on. And now you have positive tests for COVID-19. It's really disheartening, but it's a microcosm of society. (laughs) You know, of course, I'd want to be as as safe as possible if I'm playing because I want to help my team win. Some couldn't care less about that. Buster Olney on SportsCenter. Uh, talking about players' reaction to Manfred blaming them on Friday. The players were furious because as part of his statement to our Carl Ravage, he mentioned the players have to do better, and that really angered the players. They felt like he was finger-pointing. John Lester of the Cubs, for example, responded, paraphrasing here, saying, hey, we're the ones who are taking the risk. But this is at the end of a week of finger-pointing from both sides. We had tweets from David Price, from Anthony Rizzo, calling into question parts of the the health and safety protocol and whether safety uh, was a priority. I can tell you behind the scenes, Major League Baseball Player Association, conversations all the time, they're working together. But this undercurrent of distrust and suspicion has been there all throughout this process, so different than the NBA and the NHL. Yeah, because I've watched a lot of – I saw NHL and NBA this weekend too. Eric, you know, when you watch the NBA, and I've been watching a lot of it all day today because it started early, and the NHL just watching the Hawks and and a couple other games for the network. Dude, like, it is seamless, these bubble plans. And Major League Baseball continues to be the traditional sport – of being outside and there's no problem, just wear a mask. And then at, you know, at least with the NBA and NHL players, you know where they are after the games. Major League Baseball, you don't know where they are. So when baseball players say, well, we inherit all the risk, nobody, you know, no one told you to go out there and play. This is why some opted out. And on top of that, you, you think about it as a player. Do you really want to inherit the risk when baseball doesn't really have a plan? Baseball saying on the on the fly, you know what we should do? We, we, should, uh, uh, we, we should add playoff games. You know what we should do? Uh, um, the doubleheaders, we need to shorten them to, you know what, seven innings. Like, they're doing this all on the fly. It's unprofessional from, from Manfred. To make me think that Manfred really does not love the game like Silver loves his game. Like, Gosh, I hate to say it, like Bettman yeah, appreciates the NHL just based on the bubble plan. It's just different. So I just don't like what's happening with that. Uh, Jesse Rogers with his thoughts on Waddle and Sylvie. Uh, Jesse, uh, talking about how bad is the relationship between the players and Manfred. It's bad. It's bad. I mean, some players, you know, quietly uh, sort of agree with him. But the way he says it, you know, it's just yes. the way he says it. But the, the majority don't like him, even if they do agree with him. You know, so, yeah, John Lester again came out, um, you know, it's just the way he says things. I'm not a quitter. What are you inferring that the, the rest of the guys are, you know, like it's just the the, the, the rhetoric in my words. And what specific- is he risking too, Jesse? I mean, what do you mean? He's, yeah, exactly. You know, he, he's not putting his body on the line like the players are every day. Yeah, exactly. And and I, I do think he needed to say something, but you, it's the way you say it, like, Look, guys, I know you're doing the best you can, not, not to them, but to the teams. I know you guys are doing the best you can. We need to lock it down even further. This virus is more contagious than we've ever thought. Um, the incubation period, I think, is causing havoc. That's something no one's really talking about. The, look at the Marlins. They're a, they're a great test case for this whole thing. They had positive tests every single day for a week, and remember – Every day that a guy, you know, within that period, there were guys testing negative and then positive, negative and then positive. So that incubation period is really wreaking havoc. I think baseball is learning everything, you know, learning new things every day. 
uh, about the spread of this thing. I think they've handled the Cardinals a little bit better than they did the Marlins, yet they're still going to miss a week. So I, I just think it's the way Manfred said it instead of his words. He needs to continue to remind them to be diligent, but it, it's how you say it that makes the difference. From Wrigley on the North to Guaranteed Rate right on the South, this is the Baseball Show on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports.